to the Diary of an Arcade Employee podcast. I'm your host, Vic Sage, and for this show, I will be discussing Namco's 1981 sci-fi multi-directional shooter, Warp Warp. Now, this is a game that until Shea purchased it at an auction and brought it through the doors of the Arcadio Retrocade, I honestly had never heard of. And judging by the fact that no one guessed what the sound was at the end of the Golden Axe episode, I bet most of you haven't either. Developed by Namco in 1981 and originally entitled Warp and Warp, it was licensed by the Rockola Manufacturing Corporation for North America distribution. Rockola was founded in 1927 and had their hand in everything from slot machines to coin-op shuffleboard tables and even pinball tables, but was possibly most well known for its jukeboxes. Though, in the early 80s, they threw their hat in the video game ring with titles such as Warp Warp, Fantasy, and their most successful entry, 1982's Nibbler. Warp Warp tasks the player to make the galaxy safer by controlling a monster fighter, using a four-way joystick, controlling up and down and left and right, and with the aid of a fire button that doubles as a bomb button on the second stages, you must wage battle against a horde of aliens known as Barrow Barrows. These are a rather rude collection of beasties walking around the screen with their tongues stuck out at you. Warp Warp's gameplay is divided up into two worlds, Space World and Maze World. Each of these worlds requires a different approach in terms of how you combat the Barrow Barrows, but in both there is one constant, and that is in the middle of the screen there is the Warp Zone. When it flashes Warp Warp, you can step into the zone and be whisked away to the opposite world that you're in. You know, Maze World warps to Space World and vice versa. You do not have to warp out on a level. By slaying all of the Barrow Barrows, a new round will begin, taking you to Space World if you happen to be in Maze World. But by staying put in Space World, you will hear the music speed up, and the beasties will as well, until you are generally forced to warp out of there. Space World is the first level and allows your monster fighter to use a ray gun to fire bolts at the marching Barrow Barrows. Twenty in all in each level, or round if you will but you can be sure that in Space World, they will also be shooting back at you. Thankfully, if you line up your shots quick enough, you can blast the missile-like projectiles the Barrow Barrows fire at you. I find this to be the easier of the two worlds, as there's more room to move around. You can always keep track of how many Barrow Barrows are left in a round by looking at the border of the screen. You will see silhouetted images in groups of five. Five in the top left and top right, bottom left, and of course bottom right. Assuming you aren't like me, and finding yourself too busy trying to stay alive to count the remaining Peroperos. In each world, as the beasties get closer to the warp zone, they will change in color. Starting out as yellow, they will then become orange and finally red. This affects the scoring system as well. The yellow Peroperos are worth a mere 60 points. The orange ones are worth 90 points, and the red aliens are worth a whopping 150 points, and seem to be the most aggressive. For every three yellow Barrow Barrows you shoot in a row, a new alien beast will then appear in the mix. 
in this case, a green-hued Keru that is worth 500 points if you blast it. It kind of looks like a frog. For every three orange Barrow Barrow you blast in a row, you will find a blue Taiko arrive on the scene and it's worth 1,000 points. The Taiko resembles a squid, and for taking out three red Barrow Barrows in a row, you will be faced with a pink-colored Kani, a pink-colored crab beastie that is worth a cool 2,000 points. These bonus aliens won't hang around for long, so you'll have to be quick to avoid the missiles from the beasties to draw a beat on the bonus ones. The second world in Warp Warp is called the Maze World, and all of the rules and scoring I just mentioned are in effect except for three big changes. One, in a Maze World, you will have to maneuver around the many pink blocks that in effect create the maze. Two, you no longer have your ray gun to count on, but instead drop time-delayed bombs behind you. How long the delay is dependent on how long you hold the bomb button down before dropping it. 3. The aliens won't shoot at you in this world, but they are 100% devoted to rushing towards you and eating you up. There is a further complication with those bombs. Every time you take out a Barrow Barrow, the blast radius increases, making it all too easy to blow yourself up if you aren't controlling the delay well enough. If you die, the power level of the bombs is reset. Hands down, I find the maze world to be the hardest part of the game. Like I just mentioned, the aliens make a beeline towards you, and I find, more often than not, I will be caught in a corner as my bomb goes off, engulfing me as well as the intended Barrow Barrows. As I said earlier, there are levels or rounds. You can track your progress by way of the familiar Namco flag in the lower right corner of the monitor. After 10 rounds, the flags presented will change to a singular flag with the number 10 displayed on it. Although like Namco's Galaxian, it ceases to track progress after the 48th round. And judging by my skills at this game, I'll never have to worry about reaching that point. The world record high score for Warp Warp was set by Dwayne Richard in 1988 with 175,000 points. I want to thank Michael Dietrich for finding that info for us. It just so happens that Michael is the high score holder at the Arcadia Retrocade with an impressive 20,000 points. Warp Warp was released not just as an upright cabinet, but in cocktail cabinet form and cabaret versions. For those who have not seen a cabaret cabinet, it's basically a shorter version of the upright machines. I suppose they were more useful if space was an issue. They certainly were easier for kids to play. Warp Warp was ported to the Japanese PV-1000 as Warp and Warp in 1983. The PV-1000 was a Casio-manufactured home console. Only 15 titles were ported to that system. Besides Warp and Warp, you could play the likes of Puyan, Dig Dug, Amadar, Tutankham, Turpin, Pachinko UFO, Fighting Bug, Naughty Boy, Space Panic, Dirty Chameleon, and Excite Mahjong. It was also released to the mostly Japanese MSX home computers, and a sequel entitled Warp Man was released to the Famicom home console in 1985. And now, this message. If yours is a house divided, half the family playing board games and half playing arcade video games, then come together and play Arcade Mania. The game that combines arcade speed with board game strategy. And everyone plays every play. You plan your moves, play your cards, and score points by dodging UFOs, battling aliens, intercepting missiles, 
or defeating serpents. So get arcade speed with board game strategy in Arcade Mania from Milton Bradley. Tabletop version of Donkey Kong, and it looks, plays, and sounds the same. It even has different screens as you get higher, and even more important, you can take Donkey Kong home. Official Donkey Kong, the arcade game you can take home with you from Coleco. In 1981, arcades saw the likes of Donkey Kong, Galaga, Miss Pac-Man. Centipede, and Bosconian, to name a few. Warp Warp graphically looks like it came out in 1980. I'm not knocking it, because I think the designers were focusing more on the gameplay, which, while simple to learn, you really have to keep your eye on everything that is going on around you. You need some quick reflexes to keep your monster fighter alive past the first round. I think that difficulty is what keeps me coming back again and again to take a crack at that high score. Here at the Arcadia Retrocade, Warp Warp shares space along our back wall, sitting in between William Sinistar and Midway's Gorf. As I've mentioned before, Shay likes to keep a theme with game placements, which is why the northwest corner of the arcade is populated with space-themed games. Friends, that is actually about all I have to share about Warp Warp. We did receive a wonderful instant message from Jeremy W. earlier this week, asking how at the arcade do we handle children? The answer, of course, is the same as every single player that steps in through the door. We are glad they are enjoying the vintage machines that the arcade offers and are excited to share the joy of vintage gaming. Having said that, there are a few times that Shay, Andy, or myself have to use our adult voices. I don't mean we yell at anyone or anything that extreme. We'll just take a knee and explain that they need to stop trying to use the controls of Joust as makeshift handholds on a climbing wall. We make sure to explain how old the machines are and that they need to be treated gently. Though the most common talk we have with our younger players is to remind them that there's no running allowed in the arcade. Arcadia is fortunate enough to have been fully embraced by the community, no matter their ages. Now, just before I wrap up our show, I would like to mention that on Wednesday nights I've started doing a live feed at the arcade. You can find the feed on YouNow, Y-O-U-N-O-W, and find my feed by searching for my Twitter handle, which is VicSage2005. There's no set amount of time for each feed, but I usually do it a couple times a night, taking my tablet through the arcade, talking to the players, and letting you see and hear all these games. So I hope you'll join us every Wednesday evening. Friends, if you have any feedback for the show or perhaps a suggestion for a game to cover, you can reach me at VicSage at RetroUs.com. Diary of an Arcade Employee is now available for download on iTunes, so if you have a moment, I would really appreciate it if you could stop by there and give us a positive review. For further information about the Arcadia Retrocade itself, please make sure to follow them over on their Facebook page. I'll be sure to provide a link on the Retroist post. I, of course, want to give a huge thanks again to the Retroist for not just hosting this podcast, but for allowing me to record down here in the Retroist vault. And when you need your daily retro fix, why not visit the Retroist site at www.retroist.com. I hope you listeners will also share your memories of arcades and the game of the week in the comments section of the podcast post. Better yet, 
I hope you'll be able to share some vintage photos of your favorite arcades. Until next time, have a token on me as we listen to a clip for the game we'll discuss on the next show. has been a Retroist production. Goodbye, and we hope to see you next time.